Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper delivered his final State of the State address last night, and then Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson issued a rebuttal. But over on the Twitter machine, uh, the Libertarian Party of North Carolina was live tweeting a tweet storm, and so uh, figured I'd have Ryan Brown on. He was a, a candidate for North Carolina Senate District 18, but he's the Secretary of the Libertarian Party of North Carolina. Welcome to the show, Ryan. How are you? Hey, thank you, Pete. I'm doing well. Good. So were you... Were you the author of said tweet storm last night? Yes, sir. I'm uh, <laughs> one of the assistant Twitter guys and figured I'd sit down, uh, grab a beer, and listen to uh, His Excellency and our good friend Ray Cooper. Yes, yeah, so there, <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, well, I mean, all of his friends call him Ray, so why can't right. we? Right. Uh, Alrighty, so uh, you, you went on a bit of a tear last night, and um, I, I spent uh, went over some of this stuff in the last hour. Um, he mentioned adversity. He wrote that he mentioned adversity related to pandemics. Um, I noticed he only mentioned the word pandemic once and COVID zero times during his entire address. You found some irony in that? Yeah, it was a little, uh, little ironic that he mentioned uh, adversity related to pandemics and didn't actually mention the fact that he was the person who was in charge of the state government that shut down our kids' schools and businesses and caused a lot of that adversity himself. So, yeah. A little ironic. Yeah, almost as if he just wants to kind of move past all of that. So I guess the pandemic's over, uh, yeah. one, one must assume. Um, also on uh, uh, technology and business, he touted uh, the economy and all of our success uh, in the state, you know, attracting businesses and the like. And from a libertarian perspective, again, you see some irony in that. Yeah, absolutely. So the guy, he's talking about how we're going to have, uh, you know, new electronic car companies come in. But at the same time, he had to use the state, of the state and their power to just take land from people, right? So, sure, he might be bringing in businesses and giving them tax breaks, but he's sitting there picking winners, picking losers, and taking the land away from people and running around and basically saying, I, sure, I took something from you, but I'm the governor and, you know, I did well. Think of me as a great person, right? It's, uh, it's not a very libertarian or pro- property rights-based uh, approach. But you're overlooking the fact that he gets to have the big pair of scissors when he cuts that ribbon at the ceremony. And that's, that's, really, that's really the important thing, I think. Well, so I have a proposition for, uh, you know, Mr. Cooper. If he wants to have big scissors and run around, he should just make... Everybody, every business in the state have a tax break, like these big, you know, corporations that he's picking and choosing. And then I'll invite him to my business, and he can come cut open it and have my 0% tax rate on that. <laughs> Which is always interesting, the bashing of the corporations. And we got, we got a little bit of it last night where he talked about, uh, you know, no more uh, uh, tax reductions for the corporations. He never says business, right? He never says small businesses or anything, because that's too, I guess, uh uh, you know, people like small businesses. It's the backbone of the American economy. But he goes after the corporations. Yet these are the very same entities that, and this is bipartisan, the same entities that state le- uh, lawmakers g- 
give all the tax breaks to to woo here, to come here. And then at least the Republicans, uh, they're consistent in their love of corporations and wanting them to have lower taxes. But uh, but the Democrats, you get the added dose of hypocrisy. Right. And, and I, have, I have nothing against corporations, right? A corporation can be a one-person corporation like yours, or it could be 12 people. It could be any number, right? So I don't actually have any issues with corporations. They're just a legal entity. What I have an issue with, and what libertarians have an issue with, is government picking and choosing the winners. And so pretty often what they'll do is they'll just say, well, this corporation, you know, I got my cousin on the board, but it's totally impartial. I'm just going to give them a huge tax break or something like that. And that's the issue. It's not necessarily that they're a corporation. Yeah. Um, I know you love the term investment when it comes to government. (laughs) (laughs) I know you love this term. Um, So what of the argument of investing from cradle to career, I uh, I hear anytime somebody starts a uh, political uh, a position with the term cradle to fill in the blank, uh, I I am already wary. Well, I, w- I was just hoping you would say cradle to grave. You know, I think that would be better for the American people and the no- people of North Carolina. That's true. Right? Why but, stop at career? I mean, what's up with that? Why stop at career? Yeah. Well, the issue is, is, is you know, both Democrats and Republicans seem to think that government can invest money. Right, but governments and, and, you know, the state can't invest money. What they do is they take the money from the people who otherwise would invest it themselves and dictate where that money goes. Right, there might be a bridge that needs to be repaired in Fayetteville, but if the government invests in a money and a bridge that needs to go, you know, be built in Lewisburg, well, they're not actually investing in it. They're just taking money from one place, running it through their bureaucracy, taking your tax dollars, paying off the government workers, and reallocating money. They're not actually helping anything. They're just adding some sort of government uh, bureaucracy on top of it. All right, libertarian guy. So what? Who would build the roads? <laughs> I know you yeah, know. Who would build the roads, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, roads were invented at the same time the Department of Transportation was. So they, they showed up one day, and then the next day they had roads. But, you know, it, it's obviously a, a standard, you know, kind of libertarian, you know, comment who would build the roads. But obviously people would, you know, people need to be places, and people can, you know, Form a corporation to build the roads if they wanted to. What about Medicaid expansion? Rural hospitals—they're all going to close down if we don't have the Medicaid expansion. Yeah, it was funny. He said uh, right after Medicaid expansion, he said rural hospitals and businesses—they would never make this decision, right? Well, it's hard to make a decision as a as a healthcare provider in North Carolina because we got certificate of need laws, right? We don't need to actually expand Medicare and Medicaid. What we need to do is get government out of the business of healthcare, right? Because we've got uh, healthcare providers begging the government for permission to do something. And, you know, they have to get permission. And if it's kind of a corrupt process, you know, if one person shows up, like you were talking about a couple of days ago, one person shows up and says, you know, this is going to not be uh, necessary, right? They can shut it down. So I'm, I'm actually a type 1 diabetic. And I had to, when I was diagnosed, I was in real bad shape. And I ended up in one of those rural hospitals. Do you think I'd rather have one of those rural hospitals who didn't have to go through a certificate of need process with a machine that was maybe five years old instead of 10 years old? Or do I think I want, you know, Medicaid expansion where governments are going to go out of business because of increased uh, overhead? You know, people have surprised billing because they're going to lose their house, you know, because they didn't realize they had to pay expenses. You know, which of those would you rather have? I would rather have the one where the people can buy the machines that they need to service the people, and if they do well servicing the people, they stay open. Well, and not to mention that without reforming the CON system, too, right, you've got 
all these uh, you got a shortage already in the healthcare industry, and now you're going to add five hundred, six hundred thousand people into the system, um, right. and and people who right now are paying for their own plans um, under like Obamacare, silver plans, and stuff. Uh, they're now going to lose those plans because the they can get Medicaid for free. So why would you buy a plan when you can get it for free? And you're and, and then so you've got that element going on, and then you've got the other element, the uh, you know five six hundred thousand people that are going to be flooding the market, and you already have a crunch on staff. It's going to create shortages. So yes, you're going to. And this is why I always say I've been saying it for years, ever since Obamacare. Coverage is not care, right? You're going to medicate coverage, but are you going to actually be able to see a doctor? Right. Well, what he should have done is he should have just declared, ignoring economic realities, that we'd all get cheap and affordable health care like he did for Internet. You know? But, but whenever the government gets involved <laughs> with price controls or price floors or price ceilings, it always creates a scarcity. And so people are just going to have to learn that the hard way because our, our representatives are going to make this foolish, this foolish decision. All right, I have to ask you about this one because you said, let's abolish all nonviolent crimes in your tweet storm last night, because he was talking about law enforcement and increased public safety, which Democrats kind of have to do because they got branded as, you know, uh, anti-law and order party. Uh, So, all right, all nonviolent crimes? Well, so, you know, just because you abolish the crime doesn't mean that it's a good thing to do, right? Sure. You know, Ron Paul had a quote a couple years back where he said, if we have legalized crack, how many of you would start smoking crack? Right? I wouldn't recommend smoking crack. But if you, you know, in the context of, uh, you know, police in North Carolina. In Gastonia, uh, the police there, they roughed up a guy who was homeless and standing on a median. Mm-hmm. They ended up tasing his dog, said he bit him, tried to cover it up, and then later his dog was not given... He's a service dog. Yeah. He's a homeless vet with PTSD, and his service dog wasn't taken with him to the jail and anything or anything else, and it was sent to somebody else and ended up getting away and, and getting hit by a car and died. Mm-hmm. Right, but all because he was standing there asking people for money, right? So when it comes to nonviolent crimes, you know, those are the kind of crimes you want to get rid of, right? We don't, we don't want the police to stop enforcing, you know, burglary laws or murder or rape. What we want is them to stop enforcing laws against people asking other people for money or for people smoking weed, right? I, I might be the only libertarian who's never smoked weed, <laughs> but I don't really care if someone wants to smoke weed in their basement. Right, That's so not a crime. Right, so all right, so because burglary is not that's not a violent crime. It, burglary that would, you know, armed robbery would be the violent crime if somebody is in the home, sure. right? So burglary is a nonviolent crime. What so like shoplifting still be illegal? Yeah, because okay. if you think about it from a property rights, if you violate someone's property rights, including the property rights of their business or whatever it is, that's where the real crime is. Right. So you're not so it's not all nonviolent crime. Because shoplifting is not a violent crime, as 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 you know, classified yeah, in the but, Uniform Code of uh, st- of Justice yeah. statistics or whatever. If, if there's a if there's a property rights violation, um, then you could abolish. Or you can you can enforce that law, right? So libertarianism at its base is don't hurt people and don't take their things. Mm-hmm. So if a crime is one of those two things, right? You hurt somebody or you take their stuff. You have violated their rights, and then that's a crime. But anything else. Might be unwise, might be kind of foolish. I might not even agree with it, but it shouldn't be a crime enforced with the you know the monopoly on government or the monopoly on force that the government has with their police system. Ryan Brown, he is the secretary of the uh, North Carolina Libertarian Party. The website lpnc.org. Ryan, thanks for your time, buddy. I appreciate it. Yep, thanks, Pete. All right, take care. We're going over the governor's 
State of the State speech. I do have audio from Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson as well. Uh, and thanks again to Ryan Brown for uh, joining us with the Libertarian Party. Let me go over here and get Bobby on. Hello, Bobby. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on your call. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I caught the tail end of the president of the Libertarian Party, and I just wanted to offer, you know, I'm a former Libertarian. I voted Libertarian for president numerous times in my past. But, it, you know, the callers talked about nonviolent crimes that doesn't violate other people's rights. Mm -hmm. What about trespassing? Uh, You know, there's still that. Yeah. And many libertarians, and I don't know the official stance of the North Carolina or the National Libertarian Party, honestly, on some topics, but many libertarians are, they support abortion, and I, I, I can't support that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, I disagree with I mean, the Libertarian still, Party on that, too. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so there's still a lot of shortcomings with the libertarian uh, perspective, although, yes, I still lean a little more libertarian in some aspects. Mm-hmm. So I no, wanted to offer that out there. It, it, it just, it, you know, do, do we want the police pulling over um, habitual offenders, you know, where they run the license tag and they're running around driving on a suspended license? Yeah, I do. I want, the, I want police to pull that guy over. Absolutely. You know, as an example. But that's otherwise a, a nonviolent crime. Right. So. Uh, the trespassing one is a good one. I, I, I would... I, yeah, I wish I had thought of that one, too. I, I just thought of shoplifting because when he tweeted, you know, uh, stop or abolish all nonviolent crime and uh, or, or laws. And that's why I asked about shoplifting. But then he clarified there and he said that that's um, that that would be, you know, don't hurt people, don't take their stuff. So I, I mean, and then, you know, libertarianism is about property rights as well. And so I would. I, I'm just guessing, but I would suspect that the answer there on the trespassing issue would be that it's your property, and if you're wanting people to not come on your property, you have that right to not allow people on your property because it's your property. So I, yeah. I think that yeah, but like now, now you raise the other one of the this is a big bugaboo uh, with libertarians also, right? Is driver's licenses um, just right. in general, and so uh, they may say you don't even uh, you don't pull somebody over for driving with a suspended license because they shouldn't have to get a license to begin with, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I disagree with the, the party on that one. But just, just offering up a former libertarian's thought. Yeah. No, I hear you. This is why I'm unaffiliated, Bobby. I don't, I don't agree with a lot of stuff in the National Libertarian Party platform. I don't agree with a lot of stuff in the Republican platform, and I don't agree with, like, anything in the Democrat platform. <laughs> so yeah. that's where I'm at. Uh, I appreciate the call. I must be, uh- I must be in the. I'm probably on the Pete platform then. If I li- keep listening <laughs> to you, so. well, welcome. You we uh, we are Pete Nix. We are we are Legion. All right, Bobby. I appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thank you. All right, Bye. see you. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know where I belong, so I'm unaffiliated. And uh, as long as I'm in a state that allows me to vote in whatever primary I choose, I will choose unaffiliated. Um. Because I like some of I, I do like some of the stuff in the Libertarian Party platform, and I don't like some other things. And, you know, you're, you're not going to force me to choose to sign up with one party or the other and then have to, you know, fall on my sword for all of their platform planks. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Um, all right. So I found this. Uh, this was uh, Roy Cooper last night at his State of the State speech. OK, now part of it is, yes, it's a dig at Republicans. It's a shot at Republicans. 
saying, you know, basically, you guys better stop engaging in the culture wars because, you know, it's not good for business. And Roy Cooper knows what's good for business. After all, he's the guy that organized the boycott against North Carolina, his own citizens, when he was the attorney general over the bathroom bill. He's the guy that called up the Salesforce CEO, Mark Benioff, and said, hey, Mark, can you apply pressure to your corporate leader pals that do business or are looking to do business in North Carolina? And can you get them to either, you know, cancel their headquarters moves or to, you know, come out with uh, condemning statements and such? And of course, Benioff, being a leftist that he is, did it and got at and got one of the companies that was going to set up headquarters here to not do so. And then you had this cascade, this preference cascade effect where you had other corporations and business leaders that were like, we're not going to move there because you need to be able to go into the bathroom and shower with someone of the opposite sex, which we don't recognize as anything other than a social construct. Sorry, all you sexual abuse survivors, you're going to have to shower with a man. And if you don't do that, if you don't let that happen, we're not going to set up business in your state. That's what Roy Cooper organized against us. So he would know what it takes in the culture wars to scare businesses away. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. And I did get a, um, I got a tweet response from Ryan, who was just on with us. He's a sec- the secretary at the Libertarian Party of North Carolina. And uh, he said, trespassing is a property rights violation. And then he says the national and state parties are officially neutral on abortion right now. So, uh, thank you, Ryan, for that. Let's go over here to Josh. Welcome to the program. Hey, Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. Um, just wanted to say that I think a better way of looking at it, instead of saying non-enforcement of non-violent crimes, would be um, non-enforcement of victimless crimes, um, yeah. because even non-violent crimes have victims. But if he's talking about you know smoking dope in the basement or something. That's that doesn't really have a victim to it. So right. I think that's a better thought process. Yeah, I agree. And, and so over the uh, course of, you know, 15 years uh, as a as a host now, uh, I've had the many, many, many debates about like decriminalization of drugs and other things like you mentioned, victimless crimes. And I will tell you the response that I usually get when we talk about this is that that is not a, quote, victimless crime because smoking weed is usually the one that comes up. Um it's not a victimless crime because, like, what if you, like, if you're a pothead, you're going to take all your money and you're going to spend it on weed and you're not going to be present for your family. Uh, you know, you're going to you're going to neglect your kids and and you're going to lose your job and all this. Like, they turn all of like the family members into sort of downstream victims. Now, I don't believe that argument. I don't buy that argument. But that is <laughs> that's usually what I hear on the victimless when you call it that. Right, and I wasn't even necessarily. I'm not even necessarily art. You know, advocating for that. I got you. Yeah, makes more sense than victimless crimes because, like you say, burglary and shoplifting. Lots of crimes are nonviolent that have clear victims. 
Right. I agree. And so the because the um, when you steal from somebody, uh, you are robbing them of something of value, right? Some property. And in order to obtain that value, uh, that thing or that money, that person sacrificed some unit of their life, right? They traded a unit of their life. We call it time. They traded time for some unit of currency that they then purchased this item that somebody stole from them. So that isn't that like to me. And if anybody's ever been burglarized, had their home, uh, you know, tossed and things stolen out of the house, whether they were home or not, uh, that's no victimless crime, right? I mean, that's that. I mean, that like it. I live today by thing like I, I have adopted uh, protocols in my life because of that event, and um, and the feeling it never goes away. Absolutely. Yeah, Josh. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Hi, right, buddy. Um, yeah, I like the term victimless. Um, it probably sets a brighter line, but over the course of the last, you know, 20 years and having these debates about decriminalization of marijuana, that was always the the response I got from people who were opposed to it. They would say it's not victimless. They would say, like, gambling is not victimless uh, because uh, they would say, or alcohol is not victimless because if you do it too much, then it, you know, hurts other people, which I guess. But if you do anything too much to the detriment of other commitments and responsibilities, then we got a lot of stuff to start banning. <laughs> we got to ban a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, all right. Let me go back to this audio clip from uh, Governor Cooper. This is uh, one of the last two from his State of the State speech last night, where he urges Republicans, <clears throat> Mark Robinson, <clears throat> To stop, <laughs> to stop uh, engaging in culture wars. At the outset of my time as governor, I set a clear goal. I wanted North Carolinians to be healthier, better educated, with more money in their pockets, to have lives of purpose and abundance. And though we still have hard work ahead for working families, for hurricane survivors, and those who feel forgotten and left behind, I'm encouraged by the progress that we have made as a state. By the way, the uh, the hurricane survivors have been hung out to dry by you, by your administration. Hurricane Matthew hit when McCrory was governor. You then took over, and the people who, who lost their homes still are living in hotel rooms because you can't figure out how to fix that program that wasn't apparently broken until you got there. Okay, sorry, just a bit of a sidetrack. Progress that's been possible because we've all agreed on economic development strategies and worked to create a good business environment with the best employees in the world. Now, avoiding the worst of the culture wars these past six years has also been good for business. We worked together in a bipartisan way to fully repeal the horrible bathroom bill the first year I took office. And as we look to the future, I challenge this General Assembly to keep us off the front lines of those culture wars that hurt people and cost us jobs so that we can continue our successful bipartisan work. All right. So stop with the culture warring. No more culture warring, you Republicans. Mark Robinson, stop with the culture warring. And then Cooper lobs some attacks in the culture war. 
Use the public schools to build a brighter future, not to bully and marginalize LGBTQ students. Really? Really? Don't make teachers rewrite history. Keep the freedom to oh vote and reach for every eligible voter. Oh, for crying out Leave the decisions about reproductive health care to women and their doctors. Oh, for the love of me. What? You literally a sentence ago, one sentence ago, you're like, stop doing culture war stuff, but also remember uh, abortion until birth. What do you? Oh, my gosh. Just. It's so annoying is <laughs> what it is. It's just it's frustrating and it's annoying. And like, I got to believe other people realize that maybe they don't. I mean, that's the scary thing to me. Maybe he and his fellow Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, that maybe they don't even notice it. They just think, hey, abortion on demand until birth, that's not a culture war issue. You guys opposing it is a culture war issue. You guys are culture warring when you won't let us kill a baby halfway out the birth canal. How dare you? Stop culture warring! No, they gotta. They gotta understand. They they have to see that they're engaging in this hypocrisy. They just don't ever get called out on it. There's not a single mention in any of the reporting about what he did last night with that. He got these applause lines from his left wing base, sticking it to the Republicans right to their faces. Right, stand up there in front of them, being like, "You guys suck. You guys engage in culture war." By the way, stop your don't say gay bill. Like, oh my gosh, really? Sorry that we think you shouldn't be teaching, you know, a five-year-old about uh, how many partners the teacher goes home and lays with at night. Really? I, I mean, I'm sorry. Oh, is that culture war for me to oppose it, but it's not culture war for you to put it into the school? Right? You're going to put the books in front of my uh, six-year-old kid, uh, you know, the how-to uh, cartoon manuals on how to engage in all sorts of sexual activity. You're going you're, you're gonna to push that into my kid's face. But if I say, hey, you know what? I think my six-year-old shouldn't be uh, reading that book, uh, that comic book with the gay sex. Uh, and you're going to say, oh, well, you're just a culture war. Don't say gay hater. I, I got to believe that most people see this for what it is. I have to believe it. Alrighty. So um, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson he delivers the Republican response or rebuttal to the governor's state of the state address last night. And Robinson began by recounting his childhood of poverty and challenges, his abusive uh, household that he came out of. And he covered all of this in his uh, recent book. We had him on. We talked about uh, some of his uh, his origin story, if you will. And he compared his own trials in his personal life and how he overcame them to the challenges that the state faces. And like my own personal journey, our state has experienced both hardship and victory. Since Republicans were elected to the majority in the General Assembly, they have implemented common sense economic policies to ensure that you can keep more of your hard earned money. And they've been good stewards of your money. Like your family, they've had to set a budget and stick to it. That fiscal responsibility resulted in historic economic growth. The Republican-led General Assembly turned a state that was billions of dollars in debt and struggling financially into an economic powerhouse. North Carolina is the number one state in the nation to do business. 
He also said people are still struggling. He said the General Assembly can provide further relief by further cutting taxes, income taxes. And this is possible because of the tax reform that the Republican lawmakers enacted that turned deficits into surpluses. If the Democrats have their way, they'll pull us back into an era of government overreach, high taxes, and attacks on our personal freedoms. During the pandemic, we saw just how far they would go to control your lives. True. They shut down your businesses. Yep. They kept your children out of school. I remember that. And they told you you couldn't go to church. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration's tax and spend philosophy is hurting North Carolinians at every turn. Prices of essentials like gas and groceries are skyrocketing. And we're still facing shortages of everyday goods like baby formula. Here in North Carolina, Democrats would follow the lead of President Biden and their counterparts in Congress. True. And go on a spending spree with your money. We can't afford that. So one way to continue growing the economy, he says, is to support quality education so people can maximize their potential and follow their dreams. Teachers have one of the most important jobs in our society. We must hold them to professional standards and we must pay them as the professionals they are. We need to quit asking teachers to be police officers, social workers and parents. Their job is to teach plain and simple. And what should they be teaching our students? They should be teaching our students how to think, not what to think. Ensuring that personal or political ideologies stay out of the classroom and that we get back to the basics of reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's a parent's responsibility to teach their children about right and wrong. It's a teacher's responsibility to impart knowledge to them. Okay, so this is one of those lines. I've used it. Many people use it, you know, teach you how to think, not what to think. But that's not really true. It's, it's not technically true, right? Because when I was taught that George Washington was the first president, John Adams was the second, Thomas Jefferson was the third, like I had to memorize, and Madison and Monroe, I had to memorize them. They didn't teach me how to think. I guess maybe somebody taught me how to create a mnemonic device so I could create my little was a Jeff Madmon, which stands for Washington, Adams, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe. So maybe that, but that was, they, they taught me what to think, right? They taught me that those were the first five presidents. I know it's a technicality. I know. But see, the, the problem with that saying I have learned is that our opponents will say the same thing. And they're not, they're just teaching you how to think, like how to think about the 70 genders, right? That's all. We're just teaching you how to think, not what to think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>